Hello, you are with Love of Learning, a podcast focused on transforming the world through education and self-education. My name is Dejan Stanchev and I'm your host. Service to others is a calling that comes from compassion and kindness, empathy and selflessness. For some of us, there is a strong genuine pull to help our fellow humans, animals and the earth in general. But for others, this is not even a thought that we can we can entertain in themselves. So are we born with this or can we cultivate it in us and in our kids, therefore in our communities and in our future? Today, we have a very unique episode focused on service to others. Our guest is a homeschooling mom of two, a wife and a founder of Kids in, Ser kids is in Service, a platform she created in order to help kids and families to serve their own communities together and promote service to others. You can find it at kidsinservice.net and you can find it in the description below. Jessica Weber, thank you for joining us today and welcome. Thank you for having me. I've always felt that calling I mentioned, which is to serve others and help the world in general. Do you think that we are born with this or we learn it while we grow up? How did you discover it inside you? Well, I like to believe that we're born with it but it needs to be nurtured. Uh, if you think about young children, they often want to be helpful. They want to help you with the cooking and the cleaning. And oftentimes we're so busy and worried about getting to the next thing that we kind of push them aside and you know, don't let them help. Don't nurture that desire to be helpful and needed. And I feel like if you nurture that desire to be helpful and needed, then they'll want to do more of that. Because once you have that good feeling inside of you that you've done something nice for someone, you want more of it. And I feel like if we help nurture that at a young age, then they'll hopefully want to go out on their own when they're older and do the do good for others. Um, myself, it was definitely instilled by my parents. Both of them were huge volunteers when I was growing up. My dad continues to volunteer all over the world. And so that was just part of my nature growing up. So it's like a 50% nature and 50% nurturing, let's say. And That's what I believe, absolutely. To see the example around us. And um, what, what do you think in today's societies? How many people would like to volunteer and help others? Um, I think that there's the desire to help others. It's just usually low on the priority list of things to do. People get consumed with their everyday life and in their everyday bubble. And they, you know, at the holidays, they might think, oh, let me go help someone and feel good about myself. But I've even found with my, my service group, The parents want to come in, they want to serve, and they want to be done within the hour and not have to do anything beyond that. Um, so I do think that the, the desire is there, but people get so consumed with all the busyness in their life that if they don't make it a priority, it falls to the wayside. So, Yeah, I think uh, we as people, we have like a bag of uh, invisible bag of good deeds. And when we do good things to other people and life is like ups and downs, And when we do good things to others, and then when something bad is supposed to happen to us, and we have done some good de deeds in the past, then one or two good deeds are taken out of that bag, and only small little bad thing happened to us instead of, let's say, breaking your leg or something. This is what I believe about right. doing good. Um, do, do you have a special routine you do every day to keep yourself centered and in good mood and ready to help? Absolutely. I'm an introvert. So introverts definitely need that alone time to recharge. So in my house, being homeschool mom, especially during the pandemic with my husband working from home, there's very little time to myself. 
So I have to carve it out. So in the mornings, I get up before the entire house and I spend that time reading and journaling and praying and meditating and just centering myself and getting ready for the busy that is the day. And then I find about midday, I need another like boost of recharge. And so I'll either, if it's a nice day and it's warm out, I'll get in my kayak and go kayaking. Um, other days I do yoga. I just need that deep breathing and that meditation time to reset for the rest of the day. So yes, I need that time. Kayaking sounds very nice. I love it too. And how did you create Kids in Service and what is the purpose behind it? Well, I'll start with the purpose. The purpose is to inspire families to serve together. And it was it was created out of a desire to find service opportunities for my young kids. We just couldn't find anything. So I got together with two friends, Claire McGarry and Pam Sorrentis, and we started at our own club, hoping that we could get other families in the community to join us on these kid-appropriate service projects. And it just grew from there. And at that point, it was under my friend Claire's, her ministry called Mosaic um, of Faith. So we called it Mosaic Kids. And then a few years later, I wanted to share what I was doing with the world. So I started the Kids and Service website and then decided to bring the group under that umbrella. So Kids and Service was born as it's an entity probably just a few years ago, but we've had a group going in our town for seven years. Um, and it's just been so great finding age appropriate service projects. We have kids zero to 16 in our group, especially before the pandemic, um, out in the community serving. And it's just so rewarding to see even the babies can make a difference in the community. Um, so it's been, it's been great. And probably the most beneficial thing is like um, all the children get together and play together as well as serve. Yeah. Which... Yeah. And I think that the, one of the greatest things for um, for our group is the nursing home interactions we have. Obviously with the pandemic, we can't be face to face with those people, but um, we've made such relationships and those, those individuals, this, the residents at the nursing homes love babies. They love little kids. They, it just brings them so much joy. So you can be a brand new baby and bring joy to other people's lives you know it's just it's it's nice to show parents that kids can serve at any age yeah babies are amazing yeah they have that uh, special yeah. special feeling they bring into into the world that just disappears in the in two three years yes yeah yep. so why do you think it's important for children to learn through experience how to be of service to others well i think everyone learns best by doing um, hands-on activities and and personal interactions with things and so i feel like kids going out and serving their community just it just brings a joy to their hearts and it's a joy that you hope to will continue they'll continue to want that joy and continue to seek those opportunities so i feel that serving their community is just a hands-on way for them to then learn other important character traits like kindness and empathy compassion gratitude. Um, so by teaching them to go out and serve others, you're also teaching them how to be good people and good humans. Yeah. So Which is actually missing, I think, from uh, the current educational system. Yes, yeah. I, I do. Agree. So what activities do you have for different age groups, let's say from four to six, probably they do one thing from six to can you, can you name yep. So I do have um, a lot of our activities are centered. We try to gear some down to the little ones because um, I always say if you can hold a crayon, you can you can help serve somebody, serve someone. 
Um, so a lot of the things with the younger kids is art related. So we've done paintings for the hospice um, house to cheer up those patients who are passing on. We've done um, Meals on Wheels. I don't know if you have that where you are, but it's a service um, where you, people actually go into the homes and serve the elderly meals. And so we've made placemats, like artwork with placemats. Um, we just did a huge initiative with the nursing home, um, flood the heart, flood the nursing home with hearts. So everyone made hearts for Valentine's Day, um, paper hearts. And I mean, we had kids zero to 16 doing that. So I think as long as they can hold a crayon, they can, they can express themselves and use that art to cheer up other people. Um, the older kids, as we go on, the, the activities get a little more involved. Um, Soul Hope is an organization that works with people in Uganda to help um, make shoes out of old jeans. And these shoes, then um, the kids can wear them so they don't get jiggers in their feet because the jiggers can cause them not to be able to walk. So we've actually had the older kids cutting out jeans, shoe patterns out of jeans and sending those off to be made into shoes. So there's just so many different things that they can do um, based on their age level. And we really try to find those age appropriate service projects for them. And probably if, if uh, our listeners would like to find out more, they can, they can read on, on your website. Yeah. Yeah, we have lots of projects on the website. Because they can just apply the same thing in their areas and work with you? Yep. That's Absolutely. Yeah. Men mentoring, mentoring others, how to be in service, that will be amazing. So do, yeah. do you think that age-appropriate service projects should be a part of the schooling system? I do. I know that in the United States, um, the, a lot of the high schools require community service hours for graduation, and they'll have community service offices so that they can go and they can find out about projects in their area. Um, in the elementary school, they're usually doing like fundraisers and things like that. Uh, there's two types of service. There's indirect and there's direct. So the direct is when you're actually serving people and you're face-to-face -face with those people you're serving. So when we go into the nursing home, that's direct service. We're face-to-face -face with those residents. If we feed people in the, the homeless in the park, we're face-to-face -face with those people. Indirect is more like doing a food drive and sending it to the food bank. So you're not actually interacting with the people who are receiving what you're doing. So I find a, a balance is really important for both indirect and direct service. And I often, I often worry about some of the high school kids because I feel like a lot of their service hours are spent doing indirect, like buying things, going shopping, you know, and they're just not getting that face-to-face -face interaction that I think is so important when you're doing community service because it's those interactions that truly fill you up and, and help you learn so much about empathy and compassion and whatnot. So I feel they really need a balance. And I, I often have high school students coming to me in the spring saying, oh, I need my hours, you know, can you help me? And I'm like, yes, but I try to push them to the homeless or push them to the nursing home so that they're actually doing face-to-face -face service time um, rather than buying a gift card or, you know, collecting food. So uh, I think it's important. Yeah, I agree as well that face-to-face -face is super, super important to get that special feeling that actually you're helping this person and and you feel like uh, you create a connection. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, the people we serve uh, in the park, so we, before the pandemic, we're going down every month to with this group to serve um, lunch to the people in the, the homeless people in the park. And my daughter would always bring candy for them every single time based on the season. So, I mean, we always bring other things too, but she liked to bring candy. And so we were giving out candy hearts and, and, you know, just handing them out to people saying, happy Valentine's day, you're special, you know, you're loved and just their faces. I mean, this little kid is just handing them a, a gift and it, it just, 
I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. It brought tears to a lot of their eyes, you know, because someone is taking the time to care about them and, you know, not just give them a sandwich, which they really need, but something extra, you know, a little bit of, I don't know. It was just, it's just beautiful when you can have those, those experiences. And many, many times good emotions are much better than a bread, for example. Yes. Yes. So, so what kind of projects do kids in service offer now in the pandemic? Well, a lot of indirect service because of the pandemic. Um, that's been really challenging for us because we have such great relationships with the residents at the nursing home and the people in the park and not being able to see them face to face has been really, really challenging. Um, so we've been trying to support them through the pandemic with cards and artwork. And we did a bingo drive for the nursing home so they'd have bingo prizes. Just just trying to let them know we have a, a pen pal program, just trying to let them know that we're still here and that we still care. And that, you know, even though it's not safe to be with them, you know, we still are here. And so we've been doing a lot of indirect projects. I actually put my entire group online virtually. So I do a meeting every month and that's open to everyone worldwide. So that's actually been kind of neat having other people, not just my, my people in my town, um, but people all over the world participating in the online club. So we have um, monthly meetings and there's, if you sign up now, it's free. Everything's free. I ever do is free. Um, but if you sign up, you'll get uh, the meeting in the mail. The next one comes out, I think to like in the beginning of March, beginning of April, they always come out in the beginning of the month. And um, yeah, so you can just sign up and then you'll have access to all the former meetings I've done. So it's just. So how can we sign up? It's a nice way. How, how can we sign yep, up? Yep, kidsandservice.net. If you go on kidsandservice.net and you scroll, there's a club heading on the top of the page. But also if you scroll down, it says KAS Virtual Club. There's a picture. You just click on that and you can sign up and it'll go right to your email box. And then you'll have access to all the meetings I've done so far. And we have meetings for kids 0 to 11 and then meetings for kids um, 11 and like teens. So um, in, in those meetings, you are explaining the kids uh, what's their next task or... Yep. So we always start with a story because I'm a huge believer in books as learning tools. So we always start with a book and then a little discussion. Uh, well, one-sided, it's just me. And then um, we move into some mini lesson. And then there's three service projects or four that they families can choose from. All the things they can do at home, they're safe. They don't have to worry about, you know, going out. Um, so it's just, and they're age appropriate, just trying to help people, you know, get through these times, but still be of service to others while they're being safe. Yeah, that, that's an amazing idea and what you're doing. And I think you got me signed, signed up as well. Which <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> so what, what are the benefits of families coming to serve together? Honestly, so my entire homeschool is based around service learning and I found the experience has truly bonded my children and myself. Not to say that every time we serve, it's a wonderful experience. We've had many times where we get in the car and we're like, I remember one time we went to the food bank and my son, we got in the car. He's like, they didn't want us there. Like we were in the way, mom. <laughs> I was like, I know. So not every service experience is going to be warm and fuzzy, um, but it truly bonds you. And my son, there was this time in the park um, where this gentleman, the, the group we meet when we're serving to the homeless does like a prayer before they serve the lunch. And this gentleman did the prayer and he got up and he said, you know, I used to be homeless. I was homeless. I was living in this same park, but it was because of people like these and people and the people in this group and people who care about me. And I got out of this park and I got myself clean. He was on drugs and I got myself clean 
And now I'm here in the park giving to you because he had brought all these clothes that he had bought. And he's just like, it's just, you got to believe in yourself. And I mean, everyone was crying. Like it was just, and it just so impactful, especially for my teenage son to hear that this man who was homeless, you know, got himself clean and got out of the park. And it was just, it's it, those experiences. You can't, you can't just talk about them. They have to experience those types of things. And he actually wrote an essay about it. He was so moved by that whole experience. So I feel like it's truly bonded us. Um, and my husband, he works, he's been traveling a lot, not with the pandemic, but he before. So serving together was only a rarity, but those times he was with us, you know, like we just still talk about those experiences. They just, it's a, it's bonding Special in a really positive way. Yes. How, how to get more families involved in service projects? Well, I think the biggest thing that families need to understand is that to do a service project, it doesn't have to be that complicated. I think a lot of people think, oh, I have to give up an entire Saturday or, oh, my kids are too young. It, it could be very something very, very simple. And we have so many things on our website, like it'll say like 10 quick and easy service projects to do from home or 10 projects to do while you're social distanced. Um, super easy things. And we also have a thing on our website called the kindness jar, which is just a free printout. And you can print out all these random acts of kindness that you can try to do throughout the year. And some of them are so simple, like writing little post-it notes, like on, um, you know, you are special, you are loved and putting them in a library book before you return it, or, you know, just making people smile. So I, I just wish that people would understand that any age can be of service and that it doesn't have to be complicated. And, you know, it just, it, the benefits for your children, for yourself, like what you'll learn through the experience are just so enormous. Like you just, yeah. So I feel like families just need to just realize that it doesn't have to be complicated. Mm, you, you got me inspired to do more and more of these things you're talking about. So I'll be reading, I'll be reading more on, on your website and following you what you're doing and maybe re replicate if it's okay. Thank you, I love it. <laughs> So there, there are certain qualities like compassion, kindness, empathy, which are usually present in people of service to others. Uh, but they're also like a muscle that gets stronger the more you practice it. Maybe this is what happens um, in doing those random kind of kindness. Yep. And what kind of character education do you offer to your community through your website? So we offer quite a bit. Um, we usually have a monthly theme on the website. So this month, March is Mindful March, um, but we just did kindness in February. So, but kindness, empathy, bravery, um, gratitude, uh, all these things are so important. And they're all things that need to be explicitly taught to children. And I think parents think that, oh, my child, you know, she's kind, but they really need to be taught how to be kind. What does kindness mean? They need to taught, be taught how to be grateful, but most importantly, they need to have it modeled for them. Like parents are the most important teachers to their children. And, but the best way to do that teaching is to show them to be that person yourself. So, and if you want your children to be grateful, you need to practice gratitude and you need to show them that practice of gratitude. So my kids, they see every day I write in my own gratitude journal. Now they can write, they write in their own gratitude journal, but before they could write, we had a family gratitude journal. So we would write down at night at dinner, what everybody was grateful for. And we just kept track of it. Some seasons will actually take post-it notes, different shapes, and we'll stick them on the window of the dining room where we eat just to watch the wall of gratitude grow. 
And then I'm constantly stopping in my tracks and, oh my gosh, did you see the moon? Like you have to have that sense of wonder. You have to show them there's so much beauty in the world and so much goodness. And you have to focus on that. So if you yourself are focused on it and looking for those things to be grateful for, then they're going to do it. So I feel that character and it's just so important and it's not being taught in the schools much anymore. And, and so it's up to the parents to, to do that teaching and that important instilling of all those good, good things to make the kids, the whole, whole individuals and good people. So basically first the parents needs to change, but uh, what I see is with children, the more they grow up, the less they have compassion and kindness. Uh, Is it maybe during the, because of the educational system or because of the role models around us? And when they become adults and they have children, they've lost most of it. And I don't know how we can reverse this because yeah, we can teach to the children, but if the parents are not the role models, the good role models, and then on TV, when you see all those role models with yeah, nothing, no compassion, no empathy. Right. Uh, no, what, what do you think? How we can reverse all this? Well, kindness, thankfully, is contagious. So if you are kind, the people around you are more apt to be kind. So there's been studies where schools have just like valued kindness. And because they do that, the kids just have this snowball effect where they are trying to be kind. So I feel like all of those things, as long as we are explicitly teaching, you know, this is what it means to be kind. This is an example of kindness. This is what we're looking for. Um, I, I do feel like you can correct some of it, but it, it's going to take everyone. Like it's just, but it starts at home. In my, in my opinion, it starts at home. If you are not a kind person yourself, you are not going to have kind children. So you just need to constantly model at home kindness towards others. And if you're not kind, you need to say, well, I'm so sorry. You know, that wasn't very kind of me. You need to just model that we're human, that we make mistakes. You need to show when you've made a mistake and when you're human to your children and just, you are their best teacher. So I, I totally agree with this. And uh, we as parents needs to parent ourselves in order to be good parents as well. And uh, it, it will be- And nice. also give ourselves, we need to give ourselves grace because we are human and we do make mistakes. Um, but it's teaching our kids when we're in those moments, like, wow, oh, I was really angry and I should have yelled and I'm very sorry that I yelled, you know, it's just showing them that we're human and it's okay to make mistakes, but owning them. And, you know, I just, yeah, I just, we, we are the best teachers. I just can't say that enough. <laughs> That's true. I totally agree with this. And we should be spending more and more time with our children and trying to, change for the sake of them to be because if you want to have uh kind as you said kind kind children but we are not kind ourselves it's not it's not possible first we need to change ourselves and then... right and we also need to be kind to ourselves because you know you also need to model that the fact that you need to love yourself and you need to show that to your kids the fact that you know yes, you value and, yourself and also your wife or husband as well mm-hmm. yes because yeah and how, how they're watching they're watching everything yes watching and listening how, how to build our kids characters and what do you think are the main qualities to foster in them so i again kindness empathy compassion gratitude um all these things can be built through serving others um they will learn these things um 
through helping other people and being a giving person. They also can learn through books and movies and discussions and, and really just watching you. So being a model, um, but there it's so important. This character education is so important and it's just, it's missing in, in society today. And we need to focus more on it. Of course, of course. And, and my next question was about the books. Uh, how important are books in cultivating uh, all those wonderful character traits we would love to see in our children? Books are my favorite way to teach anything um, because they are, especially picture books, and they always say picture books are for little children. No, picture books are for adults. They are for college kids. They're for everyone. Um, and because they're great tools to teach things because in a book, a kid from the safety of their own home can experience challenges that the characters are going through and they can then figure out how they might go through those same challenges. So it's just a great springboard for discussions with your kids role-playing okay if you were so and so in this story what would you have done if this thing happened to you and and a great way to practice empathy how is this character feeling how would you feel if you were them so it's just books are wonderful springboards and i just can't value them enough and and reading aloud to children of all ages i mean my son's 14 and i read aloud to him because that is the way you have discussions and we we do audiobooks all the time and I'll pause it. Well, what do you think about what's happening here? Um, reading is such a powerful tool to teach anything. So, so you're suggesting when you read or when you listen to an audiobook, uh, just pause somewhere and start having the discussion about how the character feels and to try yep. to put him or us in their in their position and discuss, right? Yeah. Picture books, I try to wait till the end because they're usually shorter. Um, so I try not to say too much to let it, the ideas, you know, percolate in the kids' heads and, and kind of figure out their feelings. But there are many read aloud books, like chapter books. So I'll just pause it and be like, what just happened? Um, we, we did it this morning. The kids and I were listening to a book and we're like, whoa, what's going on? Mm -hmm. um, and just having those discussions in the, in the moment, like, how do you think so-and-so is feeling? And just it's just such a great way to teach those character traits that you want for your children. Yeah, I, I very very often I, I create stories. Uh, for example, if he's acting, if my son is acting uh, unkind to another child and doesn't give the toy, then I try to make like a quick three, four, five minute story about, let's say, a bear, and get and play the same the same uh, happening and then come up with a suggestion. How does he feel? Is it better? Is it good? So. That's beautiful. I don't have that same talent to tell stories off the cuff like that. I wish I did. Um, but I don't know if you've ever heard of Sparkle Stories. Um, Sparkle Stories, I think it's sparklestories.com. They have um, the creator, David, he is a phenomenal storyteller and he has stories for every theme, every everything you would want to tell your child. Um, and he's got things for trauma. And so during the pandemic, there was things and he's just got amazing stories. And um, my children have been listening to them since they were very small. Um, my daughter still loves them. But they have a series called Martin and Sylvia and Martin and Sylvia are five and seven. And they're often getting into little scrapes. And then they talk through those feelings that they're feeling. And it's just a great, great program i highly recommend it yes stories stories are an amazing way to get into the child's 
find and show them in a different way how, how things should be happening yes. and how the other people or animals would, would feel. Exactly. Uh, so what is the main goal of the book corner that you have on your website and who can participate in it? Is it open to everyone? Yeah, it's open to everyone. Everything I have is free and open to everyone. Um, the book corner is just a organized way to find a book in a theme. So we have books for kindness and empathy and bravery. And you just click on the book corner and then it'll have like a picture, like all the mindful books are up top this month. You just click on it. And because of the pandemic, we actually went and found read aloud links. So a lot of them have YouTube read aloud links right under the book because people couldn't get to the bookstore or the library. So you can actually just go on the website and a lot of the stories are right there. You can hit play and you can either watch it with your child or preview it and decide if it's something you want your child to listen to. Um, but it's just an organized way. We have things on um, aging and dying and, you know, so just lots of different topics. Black History Month, which we just had here in the U.S. There's a whole group of books for that. So just... Yeah. So which, which are your favorite topics for the children? Ooh, man, <laughs> on the website, um, I always um, love finding books about kindness. Um, they are just, you know, they just warm your heart. And um, there's this little book on there called Mary's No Ordinary Extraordinary Deed or something like that. And it's all about paying it forward. And all Mary does is she puts some berries on her neighbor's porch with like anonymously. And then the neighbor makes you know, treats with them and then gives them out to three people. And then those three people spread three deeds and it just keeps going. And it's just one of those pay it forward books. And I just love stories about kindness. Yeah, um, I interviewed uh, Mary Nin. She's doing uh, the Ninja series of books. And oh, really? my, son, my son loves them. So they're like kind ninja. He's uh, the ninja that teaches, uh, let's say he, he teaches worry ninja, how not to worry anymore. And it's oh. really... And I haven't seen those. I'll have to go check them out and make a note. Yes, That's really, really amazing. And uh, in a really simple way described, it's, it's called um, Marilyn. And uh, you can find them on Amazon as well. Yeah, and great. It's Thank a very, you. very simple way, nice way to show that it's okay to worry about things and how to overcome worrying or uh, how to be emotional, intelligent about your feelings as a child. Because from, uh, I heard the word emotional intelligence maybe one or two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And maybe I should have learned about this long, long time ago. You missed <laughs> it at school. So why did you decide to homeschool? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, so I was, I'm actually a former public school teacher. And um, if you had told me that I would homeschool my kids back when I was teaching, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, my husband actually though was homeschooled from third grade through high school. And um, he had a great experience, but when he homeschooled, there weren't too many families doing it and they had to really be pioneers. Um, they fought to get, you know, like participate in school sports and things like that. So um, when it came time to have my children, I had just left the school system and the school system in America had started to shift more towards standards and testing and just away from the whole child and individualized learning. So it was just starting to lose some of the joy. Like when I first started teaching, it was all about, we had a responsive classroom and we taught them about kindness and gratitude. And we had a peace path for conflict resolution and focused on creativity. 
and everything was shifting away from that. There just wasn't time. It was all about reading and writing and math and not so much about the whole child. So when it came time, when I left to have my children, I had a lot of friends that slowly left the education system. They just couldn't, couldn't handle teaching anymore. It just wasn't, wasn't what they had signed up for. It wasn't what, how they learned to teach, um, what was being asked of them. And my mom actually retired early because she just didn't have any joy anymore. Like she had been teaching for years and then they handed her this book and was like, you need to read this script when you're teaching reading. She's like, I've been teaching reading for 20 years and now I have to read a script to teach kids how to read. So my mom left early. She retired early. So when it came time to send my kids to school, I was like, what am I sending them to? You know, like, is this the right fit for them? We personally couldn't afford private school. Um, So it was just, what do we, what do we do? So I did a lot of soul searching. I did an art therapy course to try to figure out my path. And then um, we decided to homeschool and it has been the best decision I've ever made. Um, My husband before the pandemic traveled like 200 days a year. So because we were homeschooling, we could, we could go with him. Um, We could make, we can make our schedule fit into his. So if he got home late, the kids would stay up late and sleep late. Like we just were able to make our lives fit into his life, which was really great. And just, I don't know. It's just been so fun learning alongside my children. I've learned more homeschooling than I ever learned growing up in public school. Um, it is just, yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah. What were the biggest challenges? In <laughs> um, there are many, but um, <laughs> I, I have to say my son is very similar to myself. He and I, um, so sometimes when you're teaching someone who's personality-wise similar to yourself, you can butt heads. So I would say my least proud moments are when we're in those conflicts. And those conflicts are usually caused by something that's not working anymore. Um, so like a few years back, the math program we were doing just wasn't working for him anymore. So rather than communicating that to me, he just started being really obstinate and like angry. And that's just not his personality. He's the most easygoing child. And there was a lot of yelling and sad to say threats from me. Maybe you should just go to public school. And then he's saying, well, you're a terrible teacher. You know, it was just ugly. Um, So in these moments, I would always have to take a deep breath, step back and say, what is going on? And then I would realize, oh, this isn't working anymore for him. Um, One of the things we had later was the fact that he's an introvert like myself, his sister's an extrovert, and he just needed time away from her because she's always like, play with me, do this with me. Mm-hmm. So we had to redo our rhythm so that he's like in with us. It's like breathing. He's in with us. He's out. He's in, he's out. And just gives him that space to recharge. So I think that's just challenging is that always looking at your kids. My daughter has some, some learning um, disabilities. So it's just looking at your kids, trying to figure out what works for them, knowing that what works for one kid does not work for everyone. Um, And also another challenge for me has been unlearning everything I did as a teacher, because in the classroom, you teach very differently when you have 24 children in your room than you do when you have two. Mm -hmm. So having to unlearn that. And I always hear people say, oh, you homeschool because you're a teacher. No, that actually is bad sometimes (laughs) because I feel like sometimes if you don't have an education background and you just come in with an open heart and an open mind and, you know, just a passion to want to do this, you're a better teacher than somebody who's been trained because I had to unlearn a lot of what I had been taught because it doesn't, it doesn't work at home. 
So I think just individualizing it for your children and also knowing that like what works now for your one child might not work six months down the road or a year because they're going to change themselves. So you just have to constantly be fluid, reflective, and just noticing and build time into your schedule to have that time. We school year round. And so because we school year round, we go like six to seven weeks and then we have a break. And then it's on those breaks where I like take a deep breath and I say, what's working? What's not working, you know? And then you're able to reevaluate. So like lessons learned. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've been doing this for eight years. You would think by now I'd have it figured out. No, I don't. Um, I don't think I ever will. <laughs> it's constantly changing. I think, I think you're doing good. Think Thank you. Good. What, what, what do you think lacks in the current education and how should we change that? Well, I think a, a lot of what I said earlier, it's just, I feel like, well, right now in the pandemic, I feel so bad for these kids because some of them, the teachers are doing amazing things and the school supporting them and they have internet access and they're able to, to interact and get the schooling they need. But most of them don't. Most of them don't have good internet access. They don't have a parent at home to help them through their assignments. Like this pandemic is just, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where kids come back um, and what level they're at. This, it's just been, it's unfortunate. Um, before the pandemic, I just worry that school is so much less about who the children are and more about how they score. Um, I feel like they're so heavy on standards and test scores and not about who they are as people and so focused on reading math and, and writing. And there's so much more to a person like cooperative learning, team building, how to get along with others, how to solve problems. My husband finds that a lot of people that come into the workforce now don't know how to problem solve. They just, because they've studied for a test and they just, they know, you know, they don't know how to think outside the box and, and go, you know, find information for themselves. They want to be told what to do because so many of our kids are so overscheduled. So they go from school being told what to do. Then the after school, they have program after program and home and they, you know, they're not able to make their own day. So it's just hard. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and um, and with this pandemic, pandemic still going on, it will be interesting to see what what will happen next with the children. But again, as you said, if the parents, it's it's up to the parents how to educate the children. We shouldn't let the children be educated by a system who is more interested into creating. Uh, manufacture workers and robots than human beings. <laughs> yes, yes. It is about the whole child and making sure they're good humans. Yes, like what, what you're doing, what you're doing with your kids in service. Um, what was your most challenging parenting moment or homeschooling moment? Oh, well, I would say probably that with my son, those those moments where we, okay. we butted heads. <laughs> That was really challenging, um, okay, but okay. yeah, I think that would be. Yeah. Well, what, what practical advice would you give to our audience regarding homeschooling? I just constantly reflect and be open to change because as I said, like what works today might not work six months down the road and be open to really look at your child and their learning style and, and, and try new things. Um, and see if those work, but just 
Yeah. And, and no, and if you want to homeschool, know that you can do it. If you have a desire inside of you to homeschool and you think that's going to be the best fit for your family, don't think you need a college degree or any of that stuff. Like there are so many resources on the internet. Anyone can homeschool if they have the desire in their heart and the ability to do so. So just, yeah, don't let that discourage you. Um, I think lots of people need this uh, courage to do it. It's because who, who, who can better better school their children than the parents, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And as long as it comes with love and, and, and good feelings and joy, and you, you can't do anything wrong. Yeah. If you are able to tell someone who would otherwise never hear what you have to say about kids in service, what would you tell them today? Um, I would just say that any age child can be of service to their community. Um, as I said before, if you can hold a crayon, you can make a picture that'll brighten somebody's day. If you were able to smile and you're a little baby, um, once this pandemic's over, you can go back into the nursing homes and, you know, cheer people up and show them that they're special and that they're loved. And that service doesn't have to be complicated. And that if you serve as a family, it truly is a bonding experience. And the education is so vast of what the kids are going to, are going to gain from it. They're going to, they're going to learn about gratitude and kindness and um, compassion and empathy. And it's just such an amazing learning experience. Thank you. What, what, what parts of your childhood memories made you this resilient and strong person and caring about others? Well, um, unfortunately, as a upper elementary child, younger middle school child, I was bullied. Um, I'm a very sensitive person. And this bullying, I mean, bullying affects everyone badly. But this bullying really got to me because these people were supposed to be my friends. Um, but thankfully, I had a really amazing guidance counselor at our school and parents who were super super strong and supportive and they helped me get through that time and learn to stand up for myself and I think that experience has made me more resilient it's also made me um, the per kind of person that wants to be kind to others and make them feel included and you know when I walk into a room if I see someone that's off to the side I often go towards that person because I just don't want them to feel the way I felt mm -hmm. when I was being bullied as a child so I definitely think that that experience gave me that resilience and that desire to help others. Yes, uh, I want to thank you for being on a guest on my podcast and uh, you truly inspired me to be in service to others oh, in, a, in a family way. So I'll be following you uh, and uh, everything you're doing and maybe do something similar to you uh, in my area in here in Bulgaria. And yeah. again, I want to thank you for what you're doing and inspiring others to be in service and to teach their children to be in service and continue doing what you're doing. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. This podcast is really wonderful. I love what you're doing here and all of the, the guests you've had so far. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.